punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hello there and welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined as always by Logan Mullen and Lauren Campbell. They're not here right now, of course, uh, because we... Our show this week is just an interview. It's an interview of uh, Nesson Bruins analyst and former Bruins goalie, Andrew Raycroft. He knows a thing or two about goaltending. Goaltending has been a hot button topic for the black and gold the last few weeks with the emergence of Jeremy Swayman, the play of Tuka Rask and, and the return of Yaroslav Halak, not to mention Dan Vladar's situation. So we uh, chewed the fat with Razor for 20, 25 minutes. Uh, and that's just going to be the podcast this week. So enjoy our interview with uh, Andrew Raycroft. Thanks to Razor for joining us. Uh, and we'll see you again next week. See ya. All right, Dean Nesson analyst and former Boston Bruins goalie Andrew Raycroft joins us now. Uh, Razor, what's up? Not much. Running around, chasing yeah. kids around. Weather's nice, though, so we're – That's uh, true. It's, it's playoff hockey weather out there. It is there. playoff it's hockey weather. It's weird that it would be like the second round of the playoffs now, and we still have, what is it, like 10 more Bruins games left. Um, but neither here nor there. All righty. So I'm going to start with a question that I think will launch us into the overarching part of our conversation today. And that is if you are Don Sweeney, so you're going to be Andrew Sweeney or Don Raycroft here, and you've got Rask and Halak as your UFAs this offseason. You have Vladar and Swayman signed. Who are you going into next season with as your two goalies? My, my scenario at this point would be to go hopefully get Tuca back for another couple years and then go with Vladar and let Swayman play 60 games, have him come up, play 10 or 15 NHL games, play 40 or 50 AHL games, have Vladar play 20, 25 NHL games and Tuca play his 40 NHL games. That I think would be my ideal scenario at this point. And that really allows you to evaluate, allows you to compete and allows you to build for the future. So, you know, the last couple of seasons they've had the Halak safety net and that's let Rask play 40, 45 games. And then before that was Kudobin, um, do you think they're at the point now where they can start leaning totally on Swayman and or Vladar and just, you know, not necessarily have that to use the same term, like safety net of the veteran early to mid thirties backup. I believe they're there. I believe if you look at the last five, six, seven, eight years, the guys that have come through the, the Chad Johnson's, the, the Hudobins, the, the Halak's, this team has a culture of defense. This team has, and now you look at Swayman and Vladar, they've all had success. And, and that's not necessarily uh, luck, coincidence. Right. That's because this team plays and has the forward, the centerman that they have. They have the defenseman like McAvoy that they have. And then prior to that, Zidane Chara they play a certain way that doesn't lends itself to good goaltending. And we've seen that. I think we're at the point now where you can put in a younger guy like a swim and Vladar and have success. And it's, it's not necessary. It's also for Tuca. I think he's gotten to the point where he, 
he realizes that it's time for a younger guy as well. Hey, listen, mm -hmm. like three, four years ago, you wanted an older guy there. You don't have, you don't want necessarily as a 34 year old goalie have to show a young kid, the ropes and tell him which door to go into in every arena and, and walk him through that mentoring is, is a little bit more work for you to do rather than a Yaro Halak who is plug and play. He knows more of a pro than you are probably. And, shows up to the rink every you don't have to worry he's just there so yeah. that that's the other component that i think i would imagine whatever older guys here probably tuka is is understanding of that regarding swayman uh what what do you like most about his game what have you seen from him that makes you probably bullish on him long term and how much of his, his success do you attribute to like that system not to say that the system is the reason he succeeded but do you think he'd have the same amount of success somewhere else as he's had so far early on here? No. And that's, that's not a knock. That's just goaltending. Goaltending is very situational. You you look around the league, especially this year, there's 80 goalies that have played. Typically the ones that have done well are the ones that are the third or fourth guy on a good team, like the Boston Bruins. And typically the ones that have struggled are the guys playing the most games on a team like Ottawa or, uh, you know, Detroit or Buffalo. It's just, it, it, it's very situational as a goaltender. You need to have that help in front of you. And, and so, so yes, the, where the, where Swayman's starting his career is certainly helpful. That doesn't take anything away from what he's done and his ability to make the saves he's needed to not make any mistakes. That's a big deal for this team is, is that's expected out of the goaltender, not to give any freebies up on a consistent basis. And he's done a very nice job not doing that. So I've liked that part of his game. His focus is good throughout his ability to skate. He's very good on his edges. He's, he works his inside edges really well, stays inside of his crease. As much as there was a talk of him being aggressive and getting out, he does challenge well, but he's not east-west out of his post too often. So really nice progression. And he's a modern-day goaltender. These, these young kids are so well-coached, so well-versed. They know how to answer questions. They know how to say the right things. And that goes a long way as well when you're a mature 22-year-old guy who's gone through college. It's, it's a little easier to deal with this. And this season's been easier to deal with it as well. And that's the one, my one caveat, and that's the one reason why I'd like to see him in the minors a little bit longer and, and next season is playing in front of full buildings, traveling east coast to west coast, having people in the dressing room to answer questions to having to find tickets for his friends and family, having people come show up for the weekend and him still trying to find a way to play hockey. All of those things are components that they're not having to deal with. And it's actually made it easier for these younger goalies this season because all of the outside distractions have been minimized to a major degree because of COVID. You, you broke in pretty young. What, how is that one of the more overlooked aspects of being a young a young goalie or maybe just a young professional athlete like and how big of how how much of learning that part of it the the the, the arena type stuff the ticket stuff everything that comes with being a professional athlete how much of that plays into it and you think it's maybe more for a goalie where it's such an individual you know position in a team sport it is much more for a goaltender because the fact there's only two goaltender spots you can't change your role as a young guy, you look at a Frederick who's able, he, he's not relied on to do anything but go out and bring energy. And you can do that every single night. You don't have to have, you can have an off night, but still go out and get three hits on three shifts. You can still have, you, you might have a giveaway along the boards, but you can still go out and, 
block a shot. You can still go. It's all effort and, and having that mentality. Whereas a goaltender, if you have an off night, there's three goals in the first period and you lose the game. So, so certainly I, I believe in having to deal with all those things is a little more difficult for a goaltender. You're going to have to answer a lot more questions. Right. Even if you're a guy playing once a week, then Trent Frederick, there's yeah. going to be a lot more expected of you to understand power play, penalty kill, shooter tendencies, those kinds of things all go into it. You just need to know more than, than a typical right winger. And Bruce Cassidy admitted that the emergence of Swayman has made it difficult to kind of find playing time for Halak. Does that all of a sudden kind of make Halak the odd man out going into the playoffs? Or are you sticking with uh, Tuka and Yarrow, your one-two, unless something happens to either one of them? It's interesting because I would have assumed that automatically. Um, but to your point, and they, I would have thought Yarrow was going to get a look one of these games this past week. And it'll be really interesting to see what happens the next four games with the back-to-back two games against Buffalo. If they make a, a point of getting Yarrow in or if they're saying Tuca and Yarrow when Tuca plays and Swayman. And, and that's the similar scenario that I was speaking of at the start. You can have Swayman in Providence and come up and play a game every couple of weeks in the NHL. Have him play as his four games a week in Providence and come up and play an NHL game to keep him experienced, et cetera. And they did a little bit of that with Tuca early in his career. I know it was a long time ago, but, but that's how they spelled him. If Tuca was coming up, he was going to play. And I'm not sure, but it, it almost does get this. I get the feeling much more so today than 10 days ago, that that's how they're looking at Swayman down the stretch here, that when he comes in, he's going to play and if he's not playing, then Yarrow is going to be on the bench and be that comfort guy that Tuka's used to having sit beside him in the locker room the last three years. And to follow up on that, um, does that raise any concern that maybe the pressure is going up too quickly for Swayman? Or have you seen enough from him where you just kind of know that he's just going to be calm and collected throughout whatever position or situation he's thrown into? No, I'm not too concerned. I him getting in a Pittsburgh game. That's good. That feels it. The reality is if, if Tuca's not your goalie, then the pressure's way off because Swayman is it's house money. No one's expecting anything of them. If they lose a playoff series because Tuca gets hurt and Swayman and Halak are the two guys, that's going to be expected. Just like in the bubble last season, we saw it's just not, you need Tuca. Tuca needs to be the guy for this team to go to the finals or go through two rounds in the East division. So they're, they're, you can play him down the stretch. The Bruins are pretty comfortably in the playoffs from just looking at the schedule. I can't see how they blow it. They're a good team. They're going to get wins. So I don't think that there is too much pressure on him right now. And even if he does have to go in position, because he's, it takes a lot of the heat off compared to the pressure of Tuka's feeling in having to win now. Maybe I'm overthinking this, but is what's happening with Carter Hart kind of like the cautionary tale right now of, not letting a young goalie bake a little too much. Like, I guess looking at that, should that scare the Bruins out of saying we're going full tilt, Rask and Swayman going forward? That's, that's my opinion. That's the way I see it. I think for these guys coming up into the pros, it's they're Everyone's going to struggle. Every single goaltender that turns pro is going to struggle within their first couple of years. It's, it's inevitable. 
Uh, even a Carter Hart who's never struggled in his entire life, who's had it, has been the best goalie on every league he's ever played in, who's been this uh, basically a robot from the time of 12. And he's going to struggle. And, and you're seeing how hard it is to get out of it if you're not quite sure exactly what works for you at the National Hockey League level. And, and it's much easier to figure it out in the minors. When no one's watching, you can have 10 – two weeks, three weeks, bad games in the AHL. They're going to keep putting you out there. They're going to allow you to figure out what works best, what you need to do in practice, how you have to change your mentality a little bit when you're struggling. Do you have to press more? Do you have to take a day off? Do you have to not think about it? Whatever those tendencies are for each individual, you can do that much easier in the minors than you can in the NHL. NHL, you look at what it, he's, it's ruined the organization this year. And, and this year's different and they can look at it differently and they can have different excuses. But the reality is they're not making the playoffs because their goaltending wasn't good enough and they expected to make a playoff. So that's, that's a, a dangerous thing for a younger guy to have to figure that out under the bright lights of the NHL. That's, that's my way of thinking about it. What was that process like for you? I know it's a little bit different. Like you came in and won the Calder and then there's the lockout. So I guess that might throw things off a little bit, but like what kind of hard lessons did you learn that, that season after your rookie, what was considered your rookie year and, and kind of, I don't know what you, what do you learn about yourself in that kind of situation? Sure. And, and I had had to learn that I was two years, two and a half years in the Myers prior to that too. That's where I really learned. I, I came out of, I started in the NHL right away as a 20 year old and had some success, went to the minors and had some success. And then I sucked for two months and I had all summer to think about it and worry about it and figure out. And, and then the next season I, I plugged along and figured out a little bit more and had let more consistency, less letdowns. And then by the third year, I, I figured, you know, I could get out of those bad games within a few days rather than a few weeks. And no, no. So, so, so that's, so I, I was dealing with that already. And I think that's why I had the success that first year, the, you know, my full year to, to get rookie of the year, because I had that seasoning in the minors. Philosophically, I, I'm sure you've been asked this question a lot, but like how much of that position is mental and just kind of, I, is there any way to know, like from the outside looking in, how a guy is dealing with that? Or is it just one of those things where you kind of have to do your job and it's you, you go from there? No, it's really difficult to see from the outsides where they're at um, each person. I it, certainly over a longer time frame, you can you can most of people can probably look at Tuca and can tell if he's on or if he's not most nights. Now we, you've seen him so much and that doesn't mean you necessarily know mentally where he's at, but, but you get a pretty good sense with body language and things. And the younger guys, again, sometimes, uh, you know, some good times a younger guy's body language, all energetic, but that's not necessarily works for him. Vice versa. He's nice and relaxed and you'll say, Oh, he looks calm. He looks comfortable. But typically, he's better when he's energetic and bouncing around and more Tim Thomas-like, for, for an example. And so I don't think we, you can necessarily tell from the outside. I think the goalie coaches and those guys have a better handle on it on the inside and, and where they're at on a daily basis. But I haven't been able to tell tendencies yet from those guys. And, you know, you, you talked a lot about body language and seeing how a goalie is comfortable. Have you seen enough 
from Tuca and his return from his injury to give you confidence that he's healthy for a long run? Or do you still think that there might be something there? It doesn't look, I, I don't think Tuca would be playing if there's anything. I think you'll be a little bit the next two months for any little tweak when it's a back and it's a goaltender and you start, you know, worrying about hips and growings being compensated. And I think any, if there's any physical weight, you know, winces from him, you'll be, you'll be worried. But again, he sat out a really long time, which makes me think, and, and just his history that he's going to be a hundred percent when he gets back going and he's not, they're not going to take any extra precaution or any extra risk to throw him out there. Where do you think Dan Vladar's head's at? Cause like he's gotten tossed into some, some tough situations, not just the playoffs last year, but he got that laugher against the Capitals. And it, it seems clear that he's number four on the depth chart now. And he's put in a lot more time in the organization than Swayman has. And I know it's a, you know, it's a meritocracy. Like Swayman's been playing better regardless of situation, but like, it seems like the emergence of Swayman has caused people to kind of forget that Vladar for the most part has played pretty well too. So what do you kind of do with him and where do you think he's at? I'm sure, I'm sure he's a little frustrated that he's not up and that he's back down and dealing with that. But in his situation, he's got another two years on his deal, I believe. So he's got that security. He's got the security of the fact he was, like you said, one of the best goalies in the minors last year. This is an odd season with bubbles and taxi squads and uh, the, the minors, the way they are, he can chalk that up. I'm sure he's looking at it that, you know, he's just going to keep working on his game and be ready more so for next September. And that's, that's really, you know, you'd like to get in and, but I don't think are established themselves right this next 10 days for next season. I think it resets. They Swayman will have more in the bank than what he did six months ago. Vladar probably will have a little bit more in the bank as well for having to go through this stuff and, and fight this off and go down and be a good soldier in the minors and work hard and keep getting better. And then you come out in September and see where they're at again. So if, if I'm him, if I'm his, his buddy, I'm giving him that advice that you just keep, keep plowing ahead and things change. You don't know, listen, you don't know any of these contract situations come next year. You've got a deal. You're the only one that you, there's two of you that have deals next year. So, so focus on that and, and just work on your daily get better because he's still too young and, and done too much already to, to be given up on. Cool. Mike, Lauren, anything else? I'm good. I done mute. That's still never going to get used to that. Um, no, I'm good. Thanks for it. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's a, just a weird position. So it's nice to talk to somebody who's been there because I mean, I guess that would be my last question. Is yeah. you just like frustrated or annoyed when people sit there and try to criticize goalies when it's like, <laughs> this might be the most difficult position to play in like professional sports. I get, I get the criticism. I, I think it's more the, the annoyance can come from like to, to the, the Vladar, like, Oh, he can't play, you know, like that, that, that can be unfair sometimes. And that can get, you know, you hear that and it, you guys didn't say it, but just in general, it's like, Oh, it's, it's only Swayman. Swayman's the only guy that can play in the NHL for the next 15 years. It's like, well, there's other guys that, and there's lots of, if you look around the rest of the league, there's lots of young guys that are doing this and there's lots of young guys struggling that have done it already. And uh, to your point, it, it's a really tough position. 
and it's very fluid and it's very dependent on your team. It's very dependent on situations and timing. And so, yeah, that, that's the, 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 it's not necessarily the criticism because that just goes with territory. That's you've, you've had that into your peewee. I mean, a peewee goalie, if they lose the final tournament because they gave up three goals from center ice, all the parents are looking at their parents and you you've learned to deal with that at a young age for a long time. It's it, but it's more the, the, the writing off of people at times when knowing that you're literally two injuries away from being a starting goalie and then going on to a Stanley cup con Smythe, Jordan Bennington. Uh, there's so many of those scenarios where you just can't write anybody off or any situation or scenario out. Weird sport, weird position. Yeah, weird. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it, 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 everything changes in 60 minutes and that goes with players and you can exponentially make that bigger with, uh, uh, goaltenders. Yeah. Just look at Tuka Rask. It's one or two games away from being it. Just a living legend for it is an awesome sports. <laughs> he's level. literally, he, he's he virtually, uh, what do you got? You got about two minutes, yeah, game exactly. six, they go right. on to win game seven. Yeah. So I'll just give him game seven. Yep. So he's two minutes there and, and probably about 46 minutes against St. Louis. Which so tier? 48 minutes, yeah, he yeah, wins three point, cups, like, he's got 40, you know. Bennington <laughs> stood on his head in the first, like, 10 minutes of game seven. Now he's a he's a legend, so it's Yeah, good. Brad Marchand misses an empty netter in the slot two minutes right. into the game. If he goes, if that goes in, then they probably roll 3 nothing, and, yeah, Tuka wins con Smythe, yep. da-da-da. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. It is. It's wild. Oh. That's sports. That's the game. That's why it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a fickle beast. It is. Um, well, thanks, Fraser. That's Andrew Raycroft, Nesson Bruins analyst, former Bruins goalie. And you've got a podcast of your own, right? Do you want to pump that a little bit? Yeah, I should pump that. Billy would be upset if I didn't, I suppose. Uh, Morning Brew with Jaffe and Razor. So uh, we're, we're on after every game. Uh, you can check us out. 20 minutes, quick, little bit of the sports talk void that that sometimes gets lost for these Bruins in, in in Boston so we're trying to fill that a little bit so check it out in the morning rather than turn on your radio Love morning that. brew with Jaffe and Razor all right thanks Chris Razor. thanks Razor <laughs> thanks Razor thanks. All right, guys. have a great day you too bye-bye